Welcome once again to the Grade A Movies Podcast. I'm Larry Lannon. You also see on your screen or are listening, if you're on audio, Adam Lawson and Alec Toombs. Adam and Alec are the writers for Grade AMovies.com. You can read all that they have to write, and they have a lot to write, at GradeAMovies.com. All smashed together, GradeAMovies.com. So we have some movies to talk about uh, today. First of all, Adam, great to have you back. Uh, uh, just good to, to, to know that uh, you're still around. The restaurant business is good, and you're still uh, going to city council meetings. Yep. So we're, we're still working hard. Um, I've got some, uh, new movies I've seen. I think I saw like four new movies that have all came out on either streaming or some platform within a week. So, uh, now for a while it was kind of scarce, some of the new options and some of them weren't very good, but I think between now and the end of the year, we got some really good movies uh, left to talk about. And uh, Alec, you've done some movie watching as well. For sure. Uh, movies we're going to discuss on here today as well as some I've reviewed on gradeamovies.com. Well, the one I want to talk about is one that I think we've all seen now, and that uh, movie is The Prom. And The Prom is is really some kind of production. When I watched this film, and I put this in my review that I post, I do my reviews on, on uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I do it on the, on a podcast platform. You two uh, mostly do this uh, on on your website, and, and, and you also do some... Um, some writing I know for filmyapp.com. But the prom when I watched it just reminded me of a, of a contradiction in a way. It deals with a subject matter that's very contemporary. But on the other hand, uh, it deals with, uh, uh, I think, the way you produced a musical in the 1940s or early 50s. I think uh, Ryan Murphy, the director, brought in all those um, elements that made those old musicals uh, so wonderful, the really good ones, and then put a very contemporary topic around it and kind of was pretty strident in his view on it. Uh, so uh, the prom was all about a, a girl that wants to go to the prom with a same-sex partner. There's a huge uproar in, of course, this small Indiana town. Then it's coupled with this... Uh, group of four people who are performers they are uh, people who have performed on the stage and screen their their uh, careers are just not in good shape uh, the two main characters have had their Broadway play just uh, uh, trashed by a New York Times um, reviewer and at that point uh, they felt their careers were on a downhill slide what could they do well let's go in and get some great publicity and champion this young girl in this small town in Indiana. So we see the culture shock, and we kind of see the whole, uh, some personal relationships uh, blossom and go bad and so forth. So I'm going to ask Alec, uh, you've seen The Prom, Alec, uh, kind of give us your take. What did you think of the film? Overall, I liked it. It certainly had a good message, and it's a message that uh, people need to hear. Unfortunately, the people who really need to hear it probably wouldn't tolerate the message to begin with and won't watch the movie. But I um, thought it was pretty good. I didn't like it very well at first, but once I kind of fell into its rhythms, it worked for me. You know, Adam, uh, Ryan Murphy's been somebody who's very much been in favor of more inclusiveness in Hollywood. And let's face it, Hollywood in many ways has not been a particularly inclusive place for certain groups of people. So when you saw The Prom, tell me uh, how you felt about it. So um, the prom, it was a little mixed. So if you look on Rotten Tomatoes, I think it's at like 
60 something percent. So it's not bad, but some reviewers are scathing and just trashing uh, the prom where they say is kind of cliche, corny songs and over the top performances. Um, others are raving about it because it is a load of uh, glitzy, colorful, positive energy with a message people need to see. Um, so it depends on if this is your cup of tea. I'm going to put this out there. You have to like musicals to like this. And I don't mean you like the occasional musical like Hamilton, which has very contemporary music. These are very, like you mentioned, 40s, 50s, very traditional musical styles, which makes sense for the Broadway actors who are in the show. I mean, the characters playing Broadway actors because they're dated. They're stuck in a rut. They're not going to play up-to-date songs. Now, the younger teenagers, who actually I thought were the best part of the show, they have some more uh, contemporary, almost pop-style music that they sing, which I enjoyed a little bit more than James Corden or Meryl Streep. Um, the show is funny. The lyrics are, you know, very clever. Um, it does take a couple shots at Indiana. Uh, some of it uh, warranted. Some of it maybe people don't think is fair. But a lot of it's because of Mike Pence and uh, Rifra. Um, the actual story that this is based on about a young girl who uh, couldn't go to prom and people pitched in online to kind of save prom for her, that took place in Alabama. Mm -hmm. But because of uh, Mike Pence's uh, notoriety, they said it in Indiana. And there's quite a few lines that make fun of Indiana. Um, I will say there's some things I didn't like about the show, and I've heard the same things in other reviews. I did not care for James Corden, but I'm not a James Corden fan. Uh, I find him to be a little over the top, uh, a little mugging for the camera and in your face. And uh, so when I his performance is what to be expected. I think one reviewer said uh, that he was continuing the tradition of his performance in Cats. So if you <laughs> thought that. <laughs> oh, that's too good. Oh, go but ahead. I'm Meryl Streep's good. I mean, I'm getting a little bit of Meryl fatigue at this point. She's always good. So when she's good in the movie, it's it's like saying water is wet. Yes, she was good in the movie. Um, Nicole Kidman, I thought, was very good. She didn't have a very big part. Um, the part I really have to criticize about this movie, I don't know if you thought the same thing, the romantic uh, subplot between Meryl Streep and Keegan-Michael Key was not very believable. And it's not the age difference. I just think there was a lack of chemistry between the two stars. And when they were trying to push this romance between the two, uh, I was like, can you move on from this one? Because I'm not buying it. Well, I thought I he was, that it was good. good. Alec, go ahead. I thought uh, Keegan-Michael Key was pretty good in the movie. And it was kind of funny to see Meryl Streep eye-bang him in an Applebee's. <laughs> <laughs> and she was this big star, and she didn't even know what Applebee's was. You know, there were numerous things in the movie that I found to be hilarious, like um, this teenage boy who's a homophobe chastising this young girl and then breaking into like the gayest song and dance I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, another instance where Meryl Streep is in the principal's office visiting Keegan-Michael Key, and there's young men in there checking her out. It's like the last I knew, young high school dudes aren't super into musicals and 70-year-old women. Call me crazy, but well, I found it sort of funny. There's, there's a lot to say from what you gentlemen have already said. Let me start with James Corden, okay? 
I came into this film expecting basically little, if anything, from James. So he exceeded my expectations, which were very low. So he did okay. Yeah, he was over the top, but the character was over the top. So maybe that's the way Ryan Murphy wanted that played. I'm guessing that's the case. He, You know, Murphy got what he wanted out of James Corden. He knew what he was getting, and he got exactly that. Uh, there are a lot of subplots, and the one with uh, the, the romance between the the Meryl Streep character, uh, who who is the big star, and all of a sudden gets this chemistry, you know, with a high school principal in small town Indiana who happens to be African American. That's a little different. Um, so I mean, it it didn't it, believable is a word that I might want to put into that. I think the actors did the best they could with the situation that was presented to them, and I, I think that the lack of chemistry that Adam mentioned was really interesting. Another part that Adam mentioned, the critics have been all over the place, and when you say sixty seventy percent on Rotten Tomatoes, that's that doesn't mean most of the critical <laughs> writings were in that realm. They either really liked the film or they really trashed it, just like Adam said. A lot of people trashed it. I wouldn't do either one. I gave it a B-. minus. I do recommend people see it. I preface my uh, review when I wrote it with the fact that I am not a big musical fan in general. I, I gave five or six examples of some great musicals that have happened, you know, Cabaret, West Side Story, even The Wizard of Oz would come under that. There Barry, are, can you guess what my favorite musical is? Singing, in the, singing in the Rain. No, that's a good one, though. Okay, which one? I have an unusual favorite. Little Shop of Horrors. <laughs> you know, a lot of people have mentioned that. I liked it. I wouldn't put it in my favorite for musicals, and it was a very different kind of musical. Hey, it's got Bill Murray. It's got Steve Martin. Uh, it's funny. The Mupp It's got a Muppet in it. The songs are catchy. Okay, here's the real key to this. Did you see the original Jack Nicholson film? Oh, the one that's not a musical? Right. Yeah, that's kind of different, though. I was going to say, I'm not saying that was I'm saying it was based on, they were, they were making fun of that film yeah. in the musical, which is the only thing that I think really made it funny, because I'd seen the original, and it was pretty bad. Um it was not Jack Nicholson. It was not on his best you know, film's resume. So uh, anyway, I, I, I like the prom. I think people ought to watch it. And I think the proviso that Adam mentioned, that you really do need to have some love of musicals. I don't love musicals. I like well-done musicals. There are a lot of bad musicals. Go to the 30s. There's some really good ones. And boy, there's some awful ones that were made in that period of time. But remember, those were big productions. People saw it on a big screen. And, that, and Alec, let me ask you about this, because The Prom is going to be seen on some large screens. I didn't watch it in a the theater. I'm going to guess a clear majority of people who have seen it so far have not seen it in a movie theater. So what do you think it, uh, about this idea of having a big production musical on a much smaller screen? Does it come across the same way, you think? It worked for me, but I have a 55-inch HD TV and surround sound, so... And I had the lights down and everything, so it kind of felt like a theater. Okay. Uh, okay. And fair enough, Adam. How's you, what do you feel about that? Ryan Murphy signed a three hundred million dollar deal with Netflix, so um, we shouldn't be surprised that it's on Netflix. I think the only reason that, even if there wasn't COVID going on, I bet you they were only going to put it in a small number of theaters because there was maybe a chance for some Oscar nominations, and they needed to qualify for that. Yeah, um, fair enough. Yeah. 
But besides that, Ryan Murphy's got his giant deal. You know they're going to put his stuff on Netflix as soon as they can. And did you notice he had a pretty nice budget? Not only did they pay the big money for Ryan Murphy, they obviously guaranteed him in that contract a big budget for some of these films. And it certainly gave, I think it maybe gave the most uh, number of dancers in Hollywood a, a payday since La La Land. So they, had, they employed a lot of dancers who may have trouble finding work. So I guess that's always a good thing. I give the film a B minus. Uh, Alec, where do you come down? I would give it a three and a half out of five stars or a B probably. Okay. okay. And Adam, uh, your take. Yeah, same with you. I think I gave it three stars on uh, my reviews that I wrote. Um, so that equates to about a, uh, a C plus, B minus. It's above average. Like I said, it's hard to trash a film that's so insanely positive and full of energy. So despite some quibbles that I have about some of the overacting or some of the subplots, um, it's going to have an audience. And uh I think it it's a blast of positive energy that a lot of us might need right now. Okay, I, one more aspect before we finish talking about this film. I want to get your take on it, each of you. As much as I think it was a positive film, and, and I think it was, and it'll offend some people who have certain belief systems, but I think it was anything but subtle. I mean, Ryan Murphy hits you over the head with a big brick bat as to what he thinks. Um, good or bad view, Alec? Do you think he handled that subject matter the right way? Are Are you asking me if I thought the movie was subtle, or was he? In other words, did did he hit people over the head too much? Maybe he could have been more subtle. Is, is my question. It, it's going to ruffle some feathers. I'm sure a lot of people in, in the center of the country aren't going to be real happy with it. He seems to be uh, catering what he's saying more to people on the east and west coasts. Um, I wasn't offended by it. Uh, but I could see people being offended by it. Now, Adam, you did warn people uh, some could be offended by the subject matter. Do you think uh, Ryan Murphy was a little too strident in, in getting his point of view across here? Well, two things. One, you have to understand this is an adaptation of a Broadway musical that came out in 2018. So a lot of the plot or the songs that we may be critical of, um, that really would go for the original show and not Ryan Murphy's fault there. So that's that. But even beyond that, yeah, the show isn't subtle. I don't think there's a problem with that. I'm not offended by it. I think sometimes when something hits you over the head with a message, I think I said it was like as subtle as getting hit by a piano. Um, but that the problem with something like that is, yeah, we all agree homophobia is wrong. We all agree prejudice is wrong. Uh, so sometimes more of a new, uh, an insightful point of view or something a little more nuanced is more interesting I actually thought the storyline about how celebrities try to help but actually make things worse sometimes was an interesting uh, message there because you have these Broadway celebrities. They're doing it for selfish reasons because they want PR and they want positive publicity and they jump in on a cause and they really try to help. And it really it just turns off middle America who says, oh, there goes those crazy liberal celebrities I'm not going to listen to what they have to say, but there's actual real people like this young girl who are affected. And that's who we should probably listen to more than um, some celebrities. So I thought that was kind of an interesting angle. Yeah. And the girl actually found a way to get her point across without a lot of help from them in the end, which I thought was interesting. And, and the celebrities who obviously were not doing this for the right reason, as you mentioned, as the story goes along, and that's part of the positive spin they begin to understand that, okay, now I think differently about this. I really care about this girl and, 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 um, 
other things change. And I want to say one last thing. Um, I, I would like to think that there are small towns in Indiana where this would not happen. There are some small towns in Indiana where this would happen. I mean, look at the example of Ryan White. You know, he got ran out of one small town, or run out of one small town, went to another, was embraced. So we're not all the same, and not all small towns in Indiana are the same, and I'll, I'll leave it at that. Any final- it was interesting how racially diverse this homophobic community was, though. I, I mean, mentioned that. that weird. I mentioned that to my wife. She hadn't seen it yet, and I said, this is the part that, you know, I think that Ryan Murphy's kind of, Again, he kind of went off the deep end. I don't think that was accurate. Also, I, I did read a few reviews from people who had seen the stage production, which I have not seen, and watched the film. And one thing uh, that kind of goes to what Adam said, that Ryan Murphy was very faithful to the stage production, didn't make many changes. A lot of times Hollywood will do that. He wanted to stay faithful to that stage musical, and he could have made changes and maybe not hit people over the head as hard, but he stayed with it and uh, kept that message true. Any final comments on the prom before we move on? Okay. A few things I might like to address real, real fast. Sure, go ahead, um, Alec. You didn't mention her by name, and uh, she's new to the scene. Uh, Joe Ellen uh, Pellman, I think her name is. Uh, yeah, Joe Ellen Pellman, uh, who played the young lady who's at the center of the movie. I thought did a really good job. She maybe was the standout for me she and uh andrew rannells who we, we also haven't mentioned he had a musical number set late in the movie in a mall that i thought was pretty awesome and i thought he was really funny so yeah there's there some there's some good performances in there the james corden thing is what it is Meryl streep does what you expect and i think the, the the ensemble cast below that did the best they could and and and, and you know here's a case where nicole kidman took uh, a minor role she was not a star in this film but she apparently for some reason, that it was a good part and, and went ahead and went along with it, even though she could have very well demanded to be the star. Of course, I guess they did else... give... Go ahead, please. Sorry. They did give her a little bit more to do on the back half of the movie. I mentioned it to my wife. I'm like, why is Nicole Kidman in this? She's not really doing anything. And then they kind of develop her more as the movie goes along. Yeah, at the end, she gets, she does play a big part in the end. But it, if you look at the movie as a whole, she does. she's not a one of the stars. Sure. Okay, let's move on. And this is one that uh, this is a film that uh, Al, Adam and I have seen. It's a Danish film. It's called Another Round, and it's a group of friends who one of them reads an article that boy, if if uh, people just had a little more alcohol, well, I shouldn't say a little more alcohol, some more alcohol each day, it would help their body chemistry and they would be much better people. So what they do is, of course, they take this on as a project, and there are some interesting and even tragic uh, results of this little experiment uh it's it's well i don't know i was telling adam before we started that west european films have a kind of chemistry and almost uh, a, a way of, of telling a story much different than we do here in america i'm gonna say it's better or worse it is definitely different and west europeans i think have a much different view toward alcohol than we do so another round is about alcohol and how it fits into society, how it fits into your life, and how it can be positive and a negative thing for you. So, Adam, tell me your thoughts on Another Round. So I was really intrigued by this because I saw that some of our local reviewers were saying this was one of their favorite movies of uh, 2020 so far. So I was already intrigued. Uh, it re-teams Mad Mads Mikkelsen, which you might know. He was the villain in Casino Royale. Uh, he popped up in small roles in Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, and uh, the villain in Doctor Strange. Uh, but he's probably most known by American audiences as Hannibal Lecter on the uh, short-lived NBC series Hannibal. 
Um, he reteams with uh, director Thomas Vintberg, who's kind of a, um, a legend in Danish cinema, along with Lars von Trier. Um, they were on a film together called The Hunt, which is revered by many. Um, so it was already got a lot of exciting things going on. Um, I didn't know where the movie was going to go. And I was watching it late at night and I kept telling myself, all right, I'll watch like a half hour and then I'll finish it in the morning because it's kind of late. I end up watching the whole thing. So just like the characters in the movie where they say they want, you know, one or two drinks and stop. I just kept watching the movie um, and uh, I enjoyed it. Um, you know, the ending is full of life and energy. It really has a kind of a positive ending to the movie. Um, I will agree with you. The biggest problem with this movie is it tries to balance two things. I think I said in my review that usually movies about drinking and alcoholism fall into one or two categories, and they're both extremes. They're either the party movies where everyone's having a great time, Animal House, um, Super Bad, uh, 21 and Over, those kind of movies where everyone's drinking at a big party and no one really sees any negative effects. Or you've got the drinking movies where they fall into a, a pit of despair and their life is ruined. I'm thinking of the Oscar winning film, The Lost Weekend by Billy Wilder, which is actually a really good movie. Um, people get the DTs in shape, you know, those kind of things that you see in, in those movies. This movie was really kind of in the middle. It romanticized alcohol um, as something that people can use to enjoy life. But they also show that if you drink too much, as these characters decided to do at one point in the movie, uh, that it can have really harmful effects. The part that I thought was maybe a little tough for American audiences, especially if anyone who's ever had a loved one who's been in AA, uh, when these characters are drinking too much and seeing negative effects, they say, okay, well, I'll stop drinking. And then they stop drinking. And uh, it's very easy for them to quit and, uh, to, uh, and then still have a drink here and there and not drink to excess. Uh, but like you said, maybe that's an American point of view. Um, you know, they do see lower rates of alcoholism in Europe, um, lower alcohol-related deaths. So uh, maybe it's something to do with our culture that make would make us look at this film a little differently than a uh, European audience would. Yeah, I normally like uh, European films. Most of them that get here are good films so they don't come to the United States or become available or talked about. I would not call this one of my favorite films of the year. I call it a good film, a better-than-average film. It tells an important story. There's tragedy in it, and there's uh, there's hope at the end of the tunnel at the end as well. And and the main character is a teacher who starts off as a social studies teacher, and he's just so bored with his job, his students rebel against him and say, you're telling us you can't even understand what you're talking about when you're talking in class. We just don't understand your lesson. You're not really teaching us anything. We want to go to the university. We want to be able to pass these these high uh, these these big time testing regimes that we need to pass. They have it there as well as we have it here, and uh, uh, and yet he's so just down on his work. He doesn't seem interested in his family much. He's just not interested in life at all. Then. For him, the drinking starts to help him, and then, as Adam said, we see a, a bad uh, result as we as he just keeps drinking more and more. It helps him for a while, then it hurts him. Uh, and of, of that group of friends, they all have a little different way of, of it uh, impacting them. And 
Some of them did stop. One of them had a tragic ending to the whole thing. Didn't think he could stop. So oh, another round's a good film. One thing about this, Adam, is even though reviewers have had access to it and you were helping me get access to it, it's not one that's easily found, is it? So I think it's going to be available for streaming. I assume rental December 18th is what I read in one review. Okay, so um, it'll be available soon. That's another yeah, round. So we're kind of giving people a preview, and it, it's, in a week or two, people should be able to watch it uh, in the streaming services. Right now, if you do want to watch it, one way is there are a few independent movie theaters, um, one called The Avalon, where if you go to their website and donate the price of a ticket, $12, you can rent it from their site for about 48 hours. Um, so, you know, totally legal, but, you know, there, there are very few options right now. Um, it is getting a theatrical release, but there aren't a lot of uh, theaters open right now. And even our arts theater uh, seems to be showing a little more mainstream fare, which I cannot blame them, considering a lot of theaters aren't open. Why not show something like The Prom there? And, uh, yeah, I think that's true. Uh, and, and it's sad that we're in that shape. We're going to talk more about that toward the end of the podcast. So um, let me go to Alec. Alec, uh, you've seen some films here of late that have, we have not talked about uh, so far. Tell us what you've seen and what you think of what you've seen. Do you want to hear about something I, I've reviewed or something? Just something we haven't talked about that you think's worth talking about so I far. I know you guys mentioned uh, I'm Your Woman. Did either one of you watch that? No. I watched it, Alex. Okay. But you, 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 you two can talk about that. Um, watched it last night. Uh, it's a movie about a young woman who is married to a criminal. Uh, she doesn't know exactly uh, how deep his criminal roots run. He shows up one night after they've had uh, troubles conceiving a child with a baby in his arms. We don't know how he's gotten the kid. He says it's theirs now. And shortly thereafter, disappears, leaving her uh, kind of holding the bag. So, um, Alec, I, I watched it. And um, Rachel Brosnahan, I think, am I saying it right? Yeah, I think that's um, correct. She's the star of uh, the marvelous Miss Maisel or Mizell, or, um, and she was also, uh, you might remember from House of Cards as uh, Rachel, um, and uh, she's a great actress. Uh, although watching it, I kept kind of thinking, is that Evan Rachel Wood that I see on the screen? She looks a heck of a lot like her, undoubtedly. So I, I kind of was thinking the actress a little confused. Um, it's a smart thriller. Uh, it's set in the 1970s. Um, there's a lot of suspense. It's a good character study. And I think there was chemistry between the two main actors, Evan Rachel Wood and um, Rachel Brosnahan. Right. Sorry. <laughs> God, they really do look like I'm saying the wrong name of the actresses. Um, Rachel Brosnahan and uh, Alize or however, whatever say his name, um, who was uh, the uh, escort who is taking care of her during this time. Um, I thought they had good chemistry. Um I wouldn't say it would be one of my favorite movies of the year, but it is free to stream on Amazon Prime Video, and I think it's uh, it's a good option for people if that's their they like a '70s suspenseful crime thriller where you're kind of wondering what's going to happen next. I think you might enjoy this one. I would recommend it, but you seem higher on it than I am. I, I think I would give it three out of five stars. Um, it's kind of a slow burn of a movie, um, and it's a crime picture that seems to eschew. Uh, elements of crime pictures. Like a lot of times people get shot and it happens off screen, things of this sort. 
uh, if I watch a crime movie, I kind of want the ketchup and mustard with it. But that's just yeah, me. it's not going to be for. It doesn't have a ton of action, and like you mentioned, it is a slower burn. I will say the film does pick up as the movie goes on. So the I first thirty minutes, you're like, what? What am I watching? Is this worth continuing? But if you keep with it, uh, it really does start to build, and I think by the end. Um, I think lowest people would be satisfied, if not thrilled or impressed. What would you rate it out of, like a five star, or gr- if you were grading it? It'd probably C plus B minus. That's okay, so a same, lot of films. So. Same, same area as me. I like a B minus three out of five star. Rating. Another round, I was I was a little higher on. I think that was like a B plus for me, maybe A minus. Like I wouldn't say it could sneak into my top ten of the year. I don't think it was my favorite. I like that one a little bit more than Larry did, but the other two that were reviewed, they, they were, um, they're good. They're good. I'm your woman was engaging enough that my wife had to go to bed last night. She'd watched about 50 minutes of the movie. I think she's planning on finishing it today. So that speaks somewhat highly of it. All right. There, I saw one other movie I want to talk about. And then before we jump back, to go right um, ahead, go right ahead. So, um, there is a film on Apple plus, which is their streaming service. That's probably about a year old. Uh, there are a few original films getting released on there. Um, earlier this year, you might have seen uh, Greyhound, the Tom Hanks um, World War something movie where he's – it was okay. Two. So <laughs> he's on a ship, battleship with Tom Hanks. And then uh, and a, and a film I really liked by Sofia Coppola with uh, uh, Rashida Jones and Bill Murray called On the Rocks. That's on Apple+. Plus. But just this weekend, I think it was Friday – uh, they released a new film by acclaimed animator Tom Moore, who's Irish. You might have remember him from the film uh, The Song of the Sea or The Secret of Kells. And if you enjoyed either of those, you will love Wolf Walkers. Uh, Wolf Walkers is the story of a girl in the 1600s in Kilkenny, Ireland. Um, her, parents, her and her dad moved from England there. Um, she's a tough girl. She's trying to find her place in the world. Her dad's a hunter who's trying to rid the forest of wolves. And then she finds out that there's these young girls called wolf walkers, where if you get bit by a wolf walker, uh, it's kind of like a werewolf. But what it is, is when you're asleep, your soul turns into a wolf and wanders around. So your body is still there asleep. And then the twist you find out is the girl's mother her wolf spirit has been kidnapped by the evil monarch and uh, is in, in a cage. So her mom is almost comatose, permanently asleep until her wolf spirit can come back to her body. It's colorful. Um, it's got great kind of Celtic music. And it's one of the best looking animated films that you've seen. If you've seen his other work, you know that it's just there are stills from this movie that you'd want to frame and put on your wall. Um, the characters are like ink drawings that just look really good. It's a two, 2D animation. Um, and the backgrounds look like oil paintings. Um, it is a beautiful looking film that I highly recommend. And if you have Apple Plus, which I know a lot of people when they upgrade their iPhone, they got a whole year for free, which happened to me. Uh, this is something I think is worth a watch. The parents will enjoy it just as much as the kids. Yeah, I think a well-done animation is one of the most exciting things in in all of cinema. So uh, it wasn't just Walt Disney. There were a lot of very good animators out there doing good work. And and people complained about how it was computerized after, you know, from the old drawings that you had to do in the old days. 
uh, some of the really good animators have used that technology and made it look lifelike and, 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 and used it well, as Adam just mentioned there. Okay, before we go to our last subject, uh, any films you want to talk about uh, before we wrap up the film segment, uh, Alec Toombs? Uh, yeah, I, I probably should talk about uh, Songbird, which I reviewed uh, last week. It's um, the first movie pretty much conceived, written, shot, edited, and released during the pandemic, and it's about a pandemic. Um, it's produced by Michael Bay. A, a lot of people weren't real high on this movie coming out and thought it seemed insensitive or um, not worthwhile. It hasn't gotten good reviews. It, it has a 10% on Rotten Tomatoes currently. Uh, I like the movie better than a lot of other people seem to. It is exploitative and it is kind of tasteless, just even in its conception. But uh, I, I found the movie worthwhile. Okay. Adam, any final uh, comments on particular films? So uh, there's some things I'm looking forward to coming up. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, um, One Night in Miami, Wonder Woman, Soul. So there's a lot of great films coming up. Uh, I just wanted to ask Alec about Songbird because I saw the trailer and I was I was a little surprised this movie was coming out because it specifically name drops COVID in this movie. Yeah, it's COVID-23. So we're getting like oh. sequels and stuff, which none of us want any part of. Um, like I say in my review... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Does the movie appeal to which side of the argument on this? This is. It sounds like there were some people saying this is exactly what the government is going to do to us. Michael Bay has predicted it in this film. I didn't focus on that element of it as much. The, the main crux of the story is about a young man who's a, a bicycle delivery guy. Uh, he's immune to the virus and is able to come and go as he pleases. They give him a wristband. Uh, he has a girlfriend that he's never met before face to face. They just video chat and his whole goal is to get her a wristband and get her out of there. So it's a, it's a love story first and foremost, which actually worked for me. Uh, KJ Appa, who's in the movie and who I ripped on horribly in a movie called dead reckoning recently is really actually quite good here. The kid looks great. He's very charismatic. You, you uh, like and feel for him. So, uh, on that level, it worked for me. It is kind of sleazy. Peter Stormare's in it, and if you're familiar with him, he is kind of a mega actor. He, he is the, the main heavy of the movie. Uh, Bradley Whitford's also in it playing a bad guy. He's essentially what I imagine Phil Spector would be like in a situation like this. He's a sleazy record producer using a hold-up woman for his uh, prurient interests. It's, it's, I don't know. I like the movie, but it's kind of tasteless i suppose i just saw in the trailer people bursting into someone's apartment with guns saying you broke quarantine and i was like wow this is a this isn't is that kind of what the film is like um yeah i mean the people have mandatory temperature checks every day and if you have a fever they'll come and grab you and put you in what's essentially like a concentration camp COVID-23. I can't get over that one. Okay. that's We have enough with COVID-19. Thank you. You're not bumping it to the top of your must-see list? <laughs> I uh, I may give it a look, but I'm, I'm not so sure. Uh, all right. I'm going to move on to something else. Uh, I uh, found an item on one of the news feeds I, I, I get on Facebook from some of the, um, the um, business-related items of the movie industry. And the headline basically was that AMC says they're going to run out of money in January, that they're not going to be able to operate. Regal has already, they haven't said that, 
they just closed. Their theaters and lots of other smaller chains have closed the theaters. The Goodrich uh, Theater chain, which ran the Hamilton Town Center complex, uh, went through bankruptcy. Actually, started that before the coronavirus hit. Um, so we have a, a lot of um, issues with the movie industry. What surprised me was that all I did was put that on Facebook as kind of an information item about how badly things are going in the theater industry. And a fellow I know in Fishers, who happens to be an attorney, got on there and immediately said, I, we, we do not need to be bailing out the theaters or Hollywood. I thought, well, I never mentioned that. <laughs> it wasn't in the article. But I think we're also getting this reflexive reaction like, okay, somebody's out there talking about how bad things are or how badly their business model's working, and the next thing they're going to do is ask for a bailout, which really had nothing to do with what I was... It's really more just a commentary on the fact that the movie theater business is in bad shape, and, and we. I still wonder what kind of movie theater business there'll be. I think there will be movie theaters. I don't know how many there'll be, maybe fewer, and maybe they'll be catering to a different audience. So with this word about if AMC really does have to just board things up in January, we don't know that's the case. That's what they're telling us now. Alec, tell me what you think that means, if anything, for those of us that like to go to a movie theater and watch a film. I I want to address the question, why aren't they worthy of a bailout? We're, We're bailing out all sorts of other people, and all sorts of people are profiteering off of what's going on right now. Um I know music venues were trying to get them money from the government. Why would movies be any different? It's interesting that uh, I didn't take a position either way. I, I kind of like the idea that movie theaters ought to be around. And I made the point, we've had, a, in my view, if you look over the last several decades, we have had as a nation plenty of industries bailed out by government that you could argue were quite undeserving but had access to power. Adam, uh, your thoughts on this? Yeah, I think they're deserving. Um, I think it's tough because you just look at the priorities. People see the airline bailouts or, uh, you know, the bank banks bailout, and that kind of angers us because a lot of those industries, um, they're still paying their CEOs millions and millions of dollars uh, with a company that's failing. So you're thinking, oh, why are, why are we bailing them out? And that angers people. Um Movie theaters may fit somewhere below that. I mean, yeah, Hollywood does make a lot of money. Uh, and you say, why can't George Clooney take a pay cut? But the theaters and George Clooney are very different. Uh, it's, a, it's a different part of the industry. Um, I would understand outrage if movie theaters, AMC got a bunch of money, but uh, small independent businesses got nothing um, because they did get something in the first round, but a lot of them are still hurting. Uh, let's be honest. I mean, the way our government wastes money, there's money to help both. Uh, there, are, there is an opportunity to do what's right. As people say, we can't find the money. Uh, you can find the money. There's a ton of government waste. Uh, and to say, to help someone keep their business alive and keep people employed, I don't think is a waste of money. Uh, if people are, have jobs, they can pay taxes. They don't go into, it's, it's an investment, not a bailout. It is an investment. Um, try to get a little political, but it is political. Um, there are some examples we see of people abusing the system. Uh, I think Tom Brady got payroll protection money for his company. Uh, and, uh, then he went and bought a yacht. Uh, I understand that his NFL salary and endorsements is separate than his nutrition line, 
But when Tom Brady, who has that much money, and his wife has a lot of money, owns a little side. More than he does. What? She's got more than he does. Exactly. I think that maybe that should have been Kanye West. His company got payroll protection money. Again, his company maybe was hurting. Kanye's got enough money. He could have floated his company going. So um, I hope government does the right thing for everybody. Um, But even if they do, you know, there's going to be somebody who got money who shouldn't. It just happens. As a reporter who's covered this a lot. All I'll tell you is that one person's waste is another person's critical program, <laughs> and, and uh, that's that. And, and then, and it's not fair because there are some businesses and industries that have more access to the decision makers in Congress and within presidential administration. So this is not a fair fight. <laughs> I, I do know the PPP loans, a new round of them, perhaps with different rules are being debated in Congress as we speak right now, and there's no idea whether an agreement can be reached on this. But there has been a discussion of that. So we'll, you know, if that comes about, we'll see what it looks like. And whether movie theaters should be uh, should be ab- allowed to be bailed out and, and kept going on life support of some kind until the, the business uh, atmosphere is better for them is a debate. Now, you know, here... Even if the movie theater business pretty much shuts down now as we know it, once we have the vaccine or once we have, you know, later, probably in late 2021, we won't have to wear masks anymore. We're probably going to be wearing masks even with vaccines, which, you know, just the way it is. But based on what the public health professionals are saying, and those are the people I listen to, I do believe that there'll be some kind of movie industry, but I don't know if it'll be the same. See, we, we have all these other platforms. We have HBO and Showtime and Netflix and Amazon and Apple Plus, all these different platforms. Plus we have all this advanced technology. You know, Alec talked about that. He's got a 55-inch screen at home with an advanced sound system. You can't quite replicate a movie theater, but it's still pretty good, pretty nice way to watch a film at home. Uh, as long as you can get it. Now, uh, there has been, and I think uh, Christopher Lloyd talked about this when we last talked to him, that there is this extremely expensive service you can get uh, that has been around for a while where you can get first-run films the same time they're in the theater. That's for a pretty exclusive group of people, and it's, it's highly expensive. Most people can't afford that. But I do believe that we are going to see movie theaters have a different... Uh, uh, a different business plan, and there may not be as many of them. I mean, that's the kind of the way I see it. And I'm not sure they are going to get bailout money. If they do, fine, they may come back the way we knew them before. But if not, I think we'll see a movie theater industry that will look quite different. That's just the way I, I look at it. Because if you look, just look at serious downturns that have crushed industries, they tend to come back in a different business model. That's, any thoughts along those lines? One, one note on that is to compare a big business to a small business, because there are small movie theaters that deserve, probably really do deserve uh, a lot of bailout and protections, uh, historic theaters, um, smaller chains. But the attention goes on AMC because they're, they have the biggest microphone right now. AMC or Landmark or any of these chains, they're able to declare bankruptcy and still operate their their business. They can basically make deals with their debtors. They, they, can, they can do these things. 
a lot of those options aren't always available to little guys when it comes to businesses. Um, for a single location movie theater or restaurant, uh, declaring bankruptcy, it could keep your business alive, but for a lot of them, it just means you're, you're closed for good, sell off assets, and you're, and you're done. So AMC has more options at its disposal than a lot of small guys do. Any thoughts uh, from Alec Toombs? I'm still trying to support him. I'm still doing my $20 a month AMT A-list membership. I haven't set foot in there in about a month. Uh, I'm actually going to go see some stuff here shortly. We're planning on seeing Wonder Woman on Christmas Day. Oh, okay. Good for you. I'll probably watch it on HBO Max just because <laughs> I'm a yeah, older sure. guy with a high and higher risk, but that's the only reason. I will watch it that way. Aaron said that if I don't go to the movie theater this year for uh, Christmas Day, it might be the probably in 10 years, I've probably gone to the movie theater every Christmas Day uh, at night, usually after we're done opening presents and having dinner and you still have a little energy and your family in town. I've probably gone to see a, a movie at that movie theater every Christmas Day for the last 10 years. Um, but this year, I probably won't. And it's not just because of uh, COVID. Um, some of it might be because, hey, we've got a lot of stuff dropping on streaming services on Christmas Day. I might just stay home and watch that. I'll probably uh, go home and watch Soul after I watch Wonder Woman. I mean, I can... <laughs> exactly. But, I mean, I saw a lot of stuff Christmas Day. I saw, was it Whiplash? Uh, I saw Jackie. I saw Django Unchained. I think last year we saw Bombshell. Uh, we go see usually something Oscar-y almost every year on uh, Christmas Day. Um, this year, I don't know. I probably won't. Well, thank you, gentlemen. I think we've had a good, lively discussion about films and the film business. Uh, always appreciate your thoughts. Again, if you would like to read what these two gentlemen uh, are writing about films, about uh, film reviews, or just about films in general, go to gradeamovies.com. Just bunch it all together, gradeamovies.com, and you can read Alec, and you can read Adam, and they are constantly updating their uh, their reviews and, and their writings. Uh, so please uh, uh, take some time and, and read what they have to say. Uh, as we uh, as we get prepare to depart, Alec, any final comments? Uh, one thing, if you're not already, uh, you can follow us on Facebook at Grade A Movies. Uh, we have a site on Facebook. A lot of good stuff there, too. Adam, final comments. Just enjoy some movies and, you know, try to support them. I know we got a lot of free streaming services, but if you can uh, get a rental or go to a theater, that would probably help the industry. Well said by both of you. I would only wish you uh, a happy watching of film in whatever platform you use in this day and age. Uh, you just heard Adam Lawson and Alec Toombs from GreatAMovies.com. I'm the host of the podcast and video production, uh, Larry Lannon. It's always a pleasure to talk to these two gentlemen about film, and it's always a pleasure to talk to all of you. We appreciate you watching and listening. In the meantime, I would ask that you all be kind and be safe.